Hey, everybody, this is Nolan North. You know me from uh, most of your childhood, probably. I don't know. And you are listening to Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. United Armies of the Spoilerverse, welcome back. For the country, I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Nolan North, isn't it? It is. And if you don't know who that is, because uh, I had to look him up, but he's, I know his voice. I've heard his voice in so much stuff that I have played and watched. He's the voice of Nathan Drake from Uncharted, Desert Miles from Assassin's Creed, Penguin from the Arkham series. Uh, on Young Justice, he was Superboy and Superman, and he's been in so much stuff. He also voiced uh, Optimus Prime for for Mad as well, which is pretty funny. Deadpool too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Deadpool and Deadpool games, which is pretty cool too. He's yeah, got quite cool. the long career of, of voice acting. Well, it was funny. Before we started this off air, we started talking about distinct voice characteristics. Mm-hmm. And he does so many on Young Justice. I had to think, I mean, he must be really good at his craft because I watch Young Justice and I, and I couldn't tell that there was... Yeah. One person doing multiple voices. You know what I mean? I mean, Superman, Superboy, Zatara, Professor Ojo, Marvin White, L6, Match, yeah. Clayface, and Norman. It's a lot of a lot of very it's different voices. It's a lot. Voices. And there's a difference. Like you had, you talked to Jim Cumming uh, last week. Yeah. And he does Winnie the Pooh. And he, well, he does a ton of stuff. Yeah. But Winnie for an Pooh, example, Tigger, he Dark does Winnie Dark. the Pooh and he's Winnie and Tigger. But yeah. you could have one person doing multiple voices in a scenario of Winnie the Pooh or you know, animaniacs or anything because it's like these outlandish voices, right? The over the top. Yeah. Voice voiceovers that you don't get young justice is for lack of a better term. It's like a dramatic reading. It is. It's a, it's a dramedy show. Yeah. yeah, It's a dramedy action, dramedy, all that kind of stuff. Anyways. So you want your, you know, you have, you want to try to create a realism as possible with the, with a style of show that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have people with these over-the-top voices so much. I mean, I guess every once in a while, but it's more of a... Usually a bad effect. guy or, yeah. or, a side, or a funny sidekick. But yeah, but I mean, yeah. Superboy and Superman, I mean, those are pretty normal voices. And the other stuff he's done, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. I'm just reading through his... his uh, Superman and Superboy kind of makes sense. You, they, you would assume that they'd sound similar. similar. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're... It's, you know, it's his, his love child with Lex, but, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's a clone, right? It's, it's the clone. Yeah, he's, he's half yeah. Superman, half Lex, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's so weird. It is weird, but it's, it's kind of cool. It makes it makes for a cool dynamic of a character, I think. Yeah. Well, 
enough tangent for this one. Why don't we yeah. sit back and listen to Nolan North? Hey, listeners. Today on Spoiler Country, we had the fantastic Nolan North. How are we doing, Mr. North? Doing great. Doing great, Jeff. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing very good. So right now, are you in California? I am. I am. It is, it's been a really hot day, but fortunately, it's cooled down a little bit. So actually outside with my dogs and enjoying uh, enjoying some, some the, the last bits of sunshine. <laughs> well, what I found was fascinating is that you grew up in Warwick, Rhode Island? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much uh, right on the Cranston-Warwick line in, in Edgewood. I'm a New Englander. Went to high school in Warwick, so yeah. But I, you know, biggest little state in the union, right? Yeah, that's um, that's actually where that's where I live. I lived almost my entire life in Warwick, Rhode Island. I live in Connecticut. Oh yeah, sure. I, uh, I actually, my high school girlfriend lived in in that area, so I, I know exactly where where you're at. So do you miss do you miss Rhode Island at all? Yeah, you know, every, every now and then I get uh, I get a little bit you know homesick, a little nostalgic for 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 Rhode Island. My parents lived there up till about. Uh, a year and a half ago, you know, but then they finally got tired of the snow. So they went uh, down to Florida, but yeah, you know, there's, there's, I, I love Rhode Island because, you know, there's everything's so accessible. There's everything you could possibly want is there. And it's, and that last time I was there just visiting, it's really just grown since I, uh, you know, I was a kid. So how, uh, do you visit Rhode Island often? No, no, I don't get there nearly as much as I'd like to, but you know, I, I, I got a bunch of buddies still back there that, Keep me, keep me posted on all the, all the news. So did, do you want to give a shout out to, um, to your high school? What was your old high school? I went to Bishop Hendrickson High School in Warwick. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Graduated That's high class. That. Oh, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was great. It was, uh, it was it, my brother actually went to LaSalle Academy, which is, was their big rivals at the time. Uh, oh, so wow. A little, little bit of a, little bit of a thing when I went to Hendrickson, but we lived closer to Hendrickson and, uh, you know, I was just, and it also has, it was one of the few schools that actually had a senior campus where the, where my senior year, we actually were on another uh, campus a few miles away where, you know, nine through, through 11 was on one campus and then the seniors. So you kind of got a little feeling of independence and, you know, a, a little idea of like, you know, what, what it's like, what college eventually would be like. I remember the coolest part was if you wanted to leave campus drive to somewhere to get lunch you could do that that was the big deal back then well like, like i said hendrickin has a fantastic reputation that's that's usually one of those schools that everyone talks about as being one of the premier schools in rhode island such for high schools yeah yeah well you know and I, and I know it's 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 really grown by leaps and bounds uh since uh, i graduated back in 1988 so it is i i i i have not been back there in a long long time i actually like to Come back and check that place out when I when I'm back in the in, in town. Well, I'm sure Rhode Island has changed a lot since then. We are doing really well, actually. I mean, even with the coronavirus, we're one of the few states that have um, dropped in um, cases. Yeah, yeah, I in, saw um, the, the, in the country. Yeah, I saw that on the news the other night. I was like, wow, look at that. It I know. Is, Rhode- uh, and New England is generally, uh, aside from Connecticut and I think Vermont, New England's doing pretty well overall but rhode island i was very very proud of of of, of, of all those people because i mean man we got we are just keeping the curb down but i told my wife i I laughed i said yeah those people are like dude i'm not going outside you kidding me (laughs) absolutely not yeah i I, 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 I know my relatives come up no no i'm gonna stay there they're gonna get sick (laughs) 
so I mean, you know, we we we, you know, you know, that's, I, maybe it's why I, I became an actor. I take direction well. Rhode Islanders <laughs> take direction well. They're like, you know what? They told me to shelter in place. I'm going to stay right here. Yeah, and nice about Rhode Island, as, as as you probably know, we don't go anywhere beyond 15 minutes from our house, so it's, we keep it well, pretty controlled. <laughs> well, you know, if you go 30 minutes from anybody's house, you're you're in another state, right? <laughs> that is 100 percent true. Ocean. That is 100 percent true. Yeah, I mean, it it is it, it's nice. It probably if you visit it again, you'll notice a lot of things have changed. It, downtown, uh, downtown is crazy change. Oh, like uh, Providence, you mean? Oh yeah, fire. What is it called? Firewater that was put down oh, there. And, you know, it just. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah. whole downtown area, you know, where where the by, by the train station is just. Um, the last time I was in Rhode Island, actually, I was there for a convention, a uh, Comic Con convention in Providence, oh, okay. and and it was uh, amazing. The restaurants and and just the, the 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 action and the life, the lifestyle downtown was just, you know, completely different different than what I remembered. Oh yeah, and Rolling Comic Con is one of our the things that we're very proud of around here. What did you think of Rolling Comic Con when you visited? Great, it was great. I actually had friends come up with their kids, who may have been you know fans of some video games I've done or or some animation and or, or some of the TV shows I've done. So it was great to see some old friends and you know it, it was really well run. And I think we were talking about possibly attend this year, but I think everything's been shut down. I'm certainly not going anywhere for 2020. So. Yeah, maybe we'll catch it in 2021. Yeah, I was actually I've attended Rhode Island Comic Con a few times. I was thinking about going this year, but obviously that, that's that's out. Um, do you do you go to the um, Comic Con circuit often, or was that um, one of the few times you you um, gone? No, no, I've actually done uh, I've done a bunch of them all over the world. I've been uh, conventions in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, London, a lot of all over Great Britain, Ireland, France, uh, Italy. I mean, it's been. It's been a lot, a lot of fun. Australia, I was supposed to be in New Zealand this year. Yeah, I've been, I've been all over. So it's, it's been amazing. And then all over the country. This year, I was scheduled to be in Seattle and Kansas City and uh, Miami. I think New York. So uh, in Canada, we do, we do them everywhere. And um, the last couple of years, I've done a lot because I started a, a YouTube channel uh, called Retro Replay, and uh, was really promoting that. So I technically. Uh, the, this whole uh, the, the the coronavirus actually kind of forced me to take a break, and maybe that was good because the travel was uh, getting a bit hectic. I'm oh, sorry, my my alarm went off to make sure I, I made it to the interview in time. Sorry, my mistake. Uh, you 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 know what? You made it. You did well. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. So, how did it, going back to your your earliest convention memory? How did it feel to sign your first autographs? Did, that must have been a, a wonderful sensation. You know, the, the, the first ones we ever did, it was funny, was when I, my first job was a, a daytime show called Port Charles. And I remember getting fan mail and people asking for autographed pictures. And I thought, this is fun. And then I realized, why do they want a picture? We haven't even aired yet. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but, you know, it's just, it's, you know, collectors just want those kind of things. The best thing about going to these conventions, though, isn't, you know, this, it, it's just having that interaction with fans. Because yeah, uh, you know you don't really get that a lot. You know whether if, if you're doing a, a you know voiceover job or if you're doing an on-camera TV show or film, you have yeah. very little interaction with with the fans. So it's really nice to meet people face to face, and you know hear about their experiences and and you know with with your game or your show. And yeah, it's been really rewarding. 
Now, was that when you first realized you really arrived as in, in the profession as a professional actor, or did you, prior to your first convention, had you already known, you know, I've done it, I'm successful, I've, I've broken in, and I'm, you know, doing quite well? You know, I never really defined success as, like, you know, doing well. It just, I think, for me, I know it sounds a little corny, but my success, I always felt, was, was just in the trying. I was just in the attempt. You know, our, our mutual friend, Doug Schobel, you know, he was my, he was my, one of my first big cheering sections. He was my roommate, my, you know, before I really landed anything. We were, we were just two broke guys, you know, just, he'd go off in the morning to go surf and I went off to auditions and, you know, and the thing is though, you know, that, the, you know, that was the time of like, you know, the lean years where you're broke and, you know, you're quote unquote struggling, but we had a blast, you know, we, 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 you know, I had jobs in restaurants and he, he, he had jobs and we, we made our money and went out and, you know, threw back a few beers and, and had a bunch of laughs. And so the success for me was just in the attempt uh, of doing things. I guess when, I, I guess, you know, it, it wasn't really autographs or anything like that, that I felt like, you know, I had quote unquote made it. I think, I think what it was when I just realized that I, I didn't have to pay I didn't, I didn't need a, a, a second job to help pay my bills. I think that's when I realized, okay, well, I'm, I'm truly a working actor. This is, this is what I really set out to be. And I think that, that's when, I, you know, when, when, when all my bills and, uh, were, were paid through working, you know, acting jobs. That's when I felt, yeah, I, I, I'm doing okay. Yeah, and I must say, because you mentioned Doug. Doug, for me, when, when um, I speak to him, he's one of the most upbeat people I've ever spoke to. How does it help to have someone in your corner who is the upbeat? And are you also upbeat, or did, did you need someone like that to help propel you? Now, he is, he, if you look up optimism in the dictionary, you're going to have his picture there. You know, and, and ridiculously talented singer. I mean, he can sing, he can do everything. He was always so good at just about anything. And, but he just, you know, he always, I mean, he, I can't remember a time where he was ever down. And I mean that sincerely. I don't ever remember him, you know, and yeah, I think it was a very, a very good thing for me to be around. I, I don't technically get too down. You know, I, I always kind of look at the bright side of things too, but not in the way he does. I mean, he is just, he's a cheerleader, you know, constant energy. He was, he was go, 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 or he was fast asleep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, yeah, having that energy around, especially at the beginning of my career was, was certainly a good thing because, you know, he's, he's just a, he's a, he's a great guy. I remember feeling kind of bad when he, when he moved back, back East, I was like, man, you know, he's just, he's one of those guys that after we were no longer roommates, I didn't see as much as I, I wish I had. And I think yeah. I got caught up in work and life and everything. And then he, he, he just did great in business and, and, and moved back East and, started a family and but he's somebody that you know i i always look back on with fond memories and and uh you know you know if i'm if i back go back to new england i'm, I'm definitely gonna be calling him to you know catch up but, but, but like, like you're saying though that doug is good at many things i was looking at your background you went to college for journalism and on a baseball scholarship and then you did stand-up yeah. comedy that's that's a very interesting career path right there to go first journalism what got you into that then you got on a baseball scholarship? Well, I went on a baseball scholarship. And I remember my older brother had played baseball at, at uh, University of Mississippi. And he had hurt his shoulder. And he said, you know, just make sure when you pick a college. He's my older brother. 
He said, make yeah. sure when you pick a, a college, you know, if for some reason you should ever get hurt, you, you know, find something that you might want to do. So at the time, I think it was Syracuse, Missouri, and North Carolina were highly accredited schools for journalism. And Carolina just had, you know, that, that was the appeal. I wanted to go to the South. I had some other offers at other places, but I, I wanted to go uh, someplace that just felt right. And that was certainly was Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I mean, we, it was beautiful and they had a great program and, and the baseball was great. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but you know, I, I joke with people. I say, yeah, I, I, I majored in baseball and got a degree in journalism <laughs> uh, because after that, I ended up going to Boston and uh, going to graduate school for broadcast journalism yeah. because I had, I had zero experience for internships or anything because I was too busy, you know, with, with school and playing baseball to, to go and, and get those, those practical life experiences in the business. And yeah. Emerson afforded me, Emerson in Boston actually afforded me the opportunity to, to, to get a little more experience. And that led to my first job as a reporter. I, I did stand up in college just as a goof. And then when I was in New York, I started doing it again on the side and and I did, then I, then I that led to some more theater. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I, I don't want to be a reporter anymore. This is too much fun. And I, <laughs> you got I, the bug. Remember, I remember, yeah, I remember, you know, just making the decision that I'd rather be, I was, I was already broke as a reporter and <laughs> yeah. I thought, I'd, and, but I wasn't happy. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to be broke. I might as well be happy. So <laughs> I made the decision. I'm just, I really want to be an actor and I was enjoying it more and, and, I was getting good reviews and little plays I did. And I just thought, you know, you, I'm going to have one shot at this. Why don't I just give it a shot? And it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. You know, you can, you know, I tell people all the time, it, it, especially younger people who are, you know, just think, oh, I got to find my career. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? It's never too late to reinvent yourself. So, you know, yet life is short, but the days are long. So, you know, just find things that, that, that you can be passionate about. Now, I'm sure people are going to be wondering, what position did you play in baseball, by the way? I was a pitcher. I was a pitcher. Oh, wow. What, what pitches yeah. did you throw? Fastball, uh, slider, uh, really good changeup. I mean, a good changeup. And I had, a, I had an interesting, like a forkball. I, nice. I didn't throw hard enough to call it a true split-fingered fastball. So I, I definitely called it more of a forkball. It was weird. It was a weird... It just moved funny, and that was a good thing as a pitcher because <laughs> I didn't throw. I, I threw high eighties, but you know, I think I hit ninety one time. I don't know, but it was uh, it, it was a lot of fun. So, because you came from Rhode Island, are you, will you be a Red Sox fan then? I'm not actually. My dad is from Iowa, and okay. I, I we all grew up as lifelong Cardinal fans. Oh wow! Uh, that, which was a funny, interesting in the house because my grandfather is from Boston, and yeah. he was a he was a diehard Red Sox fan, and he and my dad would get into it because I guess back in the '60s the Cardinals had a great team, and I think '67 the Cardinals beat the Red Sox in the World Series. And, oh, and my my grandfather just my dad never saw eye to eye on that, and they ribbed each other quite a bit, but but you know what I was I was. You know, the Red Sox finally broke their curse by beating who else? The St. Louis Cardinals. Ah, games. revenge. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Was it 2000? It was 2004. 2004. Yeah, yeah 2004. I, I remember so, I went, it, was, it was the only time I ever went to a sport, uh, sports uh, restaurant 
could to watch the final game and it was a hell of an experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm, they, they deserved it. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm an Orioles fan, so we've been sad for a long time. <laughs> That's okay. You know, what a friend of mine is, if you're an Orioles fan, you remember Rick Dempsey? Yes, I do. Catcher. Uh, Rick Dempsey's a very good friend of mine out here. He's a, he's a play golf with him a lot. He's a, and I hear all the stories about, cause uh, it's funny. I got to tell him that at North Carolina, I used to, I once did during a rain delay, I did the Rick Dempsey where I slid on the tarp in front yeah. of the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I, but I heard he was, he's known to be a bit of a, a bit of a clown in the clubhouse, right? Oh, he's, he's, yeah, he's the best. He's the best. He's a, he's a, he's a grown man child. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I grew up on in um, watching the team in the '80s when there was Cal Ripken, you had Eddie Murray, Dempsey, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a that was a fun team. They they lost a lot in the late '80s, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, but when, when why did you decide baseball wasn't your thing? I didn't. I my shoulder did. I tore oh, up, wow. tore up my rotator cuff pretty good, and that was that was pretty much the end of it. And uh, you know, it's funny. It's like I, but I, I, I you know, I, I I did my best. I worked hard. I have no regrets. And like I said, you know, I have friends that I know out here now that we're, we're big time, like, like Dempsey. I know I have a, I have about, I don't know, half a dozen friends who played in the majors for, for many years. And they were at a level that I, I, you know, I can look back on. I don't think I had that level in me. So I have no regrets about it. You know, I mean, I, I was an underdog for most of my life. I mean, I played at Hendrickin. We won state championships, but I was never, the, not even close to a star player on the team. You know, I went to college and I, you know, kind of against all odds, I, 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 I you know, got a scholarship there and, and got to play. And, you know, it just was, uh, I think the fact that, you know, if you, if you always just give it your hundred percent effort. So you, so when like you're an injury or you just reach the end of the run, you, you, you know, that you gave it your best. I think that was, that was my, my goal. My brother kind of instilled that idea in me. So, so you have no regrets and I don't, you know, I, I, I can truly, and, and then, you know, looking back, I've, I've been talking with like uh, a couple guys and I, I had more fun on the days I didn't play just out in the bullpen, telling jokes, doing voices, goofing around. <laughs> and all it's all the things that I now get paid for, <laughs> you know, is what I was truly probably meant to do because, and it's truly what I, what I, I, I enjoy more. You know, and, and there's less running, let's face it. There's just less <laughs> running involved in talking into a microphone or into a camera. It's way, it's way better. Right, right. Now, you, you just said um, you got a lot of a practice with voices, playing baseball. Did journalism and stand-up also do – like, which of these skills did you receive in those avenues that you think made you the actor that you are now? You know, I, I was always the, the kid goofing around with my family and doing impressions of family. And, and I think when you're a young kid and you can make older people, uh, your relatives, your the adults, when you can make them laugh, you know, that's how you you get attention. And people, you know, it, it feels good as a kid. So I think, but I was always able to do that. And, and you know, I talk about my older brother a lot. You know, he was, if I could get him to, he, he had one of those infectious laughs where he starts like wheezing. Yeah, I knew if I if I could make him wheeze, it was funny, you know. So, <laughs> I, I, I know, I, 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 you know, it, it just was, it was just something that I got attention and and it worked, you know. When I went to journalism school, though, I thought I never knew acting was like a job that people actually do. 
that's why journalism, I thought, you know, I'd love to be on SportsCenter, you know, and because, <laughs> you know, the SportsCenter at the time, these guys could be funny. Chris Berman, Keith Olbermann, they, they were funny. Kenny Maine, they were funny guys doing the, the sports and it was light and easy. But when I actually was an on-camera reporter for a year, I covered, I didn't get to SportsCenter. I was covering death and fires and Oof. political stuff. And it was just dark and heavy and it just wasn't it just it just was like a soul sucker so i don't know but you know it's it's uh, journalism is uh, you know a form of performing i was a performer before i was an actor i think you you grow to be an actor when you understand the craft better and and that that i guess i, I don't know if you can really go to school for that i think that's just like getting older you just the wisdom of it now somebody yeah. may gain the wisdom because they've been doing it since they were 12 and they have that wisdom by the time they're 20. I, I truly became an actor around when I was about 24, 25, and was doing it professionally at like 26. Yeah, 26. I got my first real job and it was a five-year contract. So five straight years, I was working all the time. And then it never turned, it never stopped after that. You know, it just sort of snowballed and I kept my head down. I think athletics had a big part in my life too, because, you know, athletics, you never rest on your laurels. You always want to outdo your next performance. So you keep working hard. You yeah. keep trying to, trying to get better. And I think in any profession, that's a, that's a good rule of thumb. Just always try to be better than the day before. And you know, that's, that's what I did. And, and so far so good. That's all I can say. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I was looking through your IDMB um, profile yeah. It is so long. I mean, there's so many things that some stuff I knew you from that you you had done. Some things I didn't wasn't aware was you. And it's I mean, it was it's you have an immense body of work right now um, as both I an just, actor and voice actor. Well, that's just because I'm old now. I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm creeping up on fifty now, Jeff. I mean, it's crazy. It's a uh, matter of fact. It's funny because I one day I, I had I had a, got a PlayStation and and I was setting it up in my office and oh, there's the dog. <laughs> that's all right um, so I, I was setting up the playstation and my son was like you should play a game i'm like ah, i don't really play a lot of games he said i should play one just try one i'm like and i thought you know it's, it's the it's the coronavirus and we're sheltered in place and i had yeah. nothing to do i said you know and he said yeah play one yet you're in i'm like nah i don't want to do that and i i sat down and i was kind of just flipping through old titles on playstation yeah. now and i'm flipping through old titles and all of a sudden i see this sniper game i'm like Hey, that could be kind of cool. Sniper. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do a sniper game. I like shooters. That's kind of cool. The first voice that I hear, it's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm basically the sergeant that is the tutorial. I'm like, all right, pick up that rifle. We're going to the range. And then I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea I was in this. <laughs> You've done so many now that you can't remember which ones you were in. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. No. no. That, that's why I mean, did you. I mean, the games that you do you do the voices for, I mean, have you ever, like, when the one that you're most noted for, I think is Uncharted. I don't know. I may be wrong on that, but yeah, I think that's the no, one that no. you're best connected to. Yeah, did you absolutely. did you ever, do you, did you go before, when you were doing the role, and did they give you a chance to play the character out to get a sense of what's happening and how it gets played? Or do you not really want to bother with the act, that part of it? You want to focus on, like, well, the, the acting? Un Uncharted was different than most video games because it was one of the earlier games where, I'm not only doing the voice, I'm doing all the motion, the movement. I mean, that we shot that the way they would shoot Andy Serkis in Lord of the Rings or Avatar, the movie, or any kind of motion capture movie. Tintin, if you ever see the behind the scenes of Tintin, you know, that was 
Polar Express. Polar Express, yeah. Yeah, so that we actually shot Uncharted 3 on the same stage where Polar Express was done with the same cameras that Zemeckis used. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like making a movie. So one of the reasons I was cast is because I had done so much theater and so much on-camera stuff. I mean, it just I was just the right fit. And I think that, you know, so, so in terms of we make that, we make uh, we make Nathan Drake do his movements before you ever play the game. So it wasn't like I could play something and see what it was like. You're literally playing the movement and the and the the, the stuff that we did. <clears throat> so it's and the funny thing is, I only played the first one about a year ago. Yeah, I had not played that game. I, I never played it, you know, because I. I used to joke because I've lived it, but the truth was, is like, I was busy. I was working. I had a family. I had responsibilities and things. And I've, I've never been a huge gamer and only through the YouTube show retro replay. Have I kind of, you know, people just were like, come on, I want to see you play uncharted. So I went back and I did it. I tried it out and I'm terrible, uh, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm getting a little better. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's so there, I, I, my sons will play games sometimes and i'll sit and watch and i'll be like man this because it's almost it's like especially uncharted was what it's like a movie you know yeah, yeah. but if they play anything i mean it's just the graphics and the the, the scenery and and the the interaction is I, it's just it's fantastic so so nathan drake is not good at uncharted <laughs> it is let me tell you put it this way it's easier <laughs> to play nathan drake than it yeah. is to play as Nathan Drake. <laughs> That's wicked funny. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, awesome. It, it, it just is. It's, 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 you know, I mean, and, and then, you know, die, you know, killing yourself over and over, it gets a little tired after a while. You know, I'm like, you know, what? <laughs> matter of fact, funny story is at the, whenever Drake dies in Uncharted 3, there's like, you hear the, ah, and then yeah. a, 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 this music, like, kind of like this kind of thing. Right, right. I, well, my kid, my oldest son at the time was playing a game in our house and we had set it up in, you know, you know, like every house has like the nice living room that nobody ever uses. Yeah. Well, yeah. We said, you know what, let's make this room useful. And it was like at the center of the house, but we turned it into put a TV up over the fireplace and, you know, a comfy couch. And it was kind of a, you know, just kind of an entertainment room and, you know, set up the PlayStation in there. Well, Anytime Drake died, that and, and my screams would echo throughout the house. And it got so bad that I went down and it was either I was going to ground him or buy him headphones. And I decided headphones was the, the better play. So, yeah, that, that, uh, seems, that, that seems a little less cruel. Yeah. So and, and it was funny because uh, then all I'd hear is just, you know, I didn't hear the game play anymore. But then every now and then I just hear him yell, sorry, dad, you, I killed you again. So, uh, so so anytime you punish him or gets, he gets angry at you, he can go into the video game and kill you off as many times as he wishes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but, but what gets really scary is when you, you go downstairs, you hear yourself dying and it's your wife throwing you off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you know, what you get me. Yeah. Go ahead. You're in real trouble then. <laughs> that's horrible <laughs> that's when you know you're sleeping on the couch that night mm -hmm. so when you're doing motion capture I, I, having because i i've seen the video the behind the scenes pictures when you had the cameras on and you had the little dots on your face and the thing over your yeah. eyes yeah how hard is it to stay in character when you're i mean i mean 
I don't. It must feel a little fun or a little foolish when you see yourself in in that getup with the, the the black clothing and the little dots and the camera. Is it hard to get into character at that point? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, you you get used to it. And and the funny thing is, like, um, there's something called black box theater uh, that you first do, and it doesn't. You don't have any wardrobe, and there's very minimal props. It's usually uh, the stage is painted black, and all the props, the chairs, or anything are black, and and it's just it's meant to make the audience focus on the actors and what the actors do is have to focus on each other. But the, the truth is, it's like, I, I, I don't have any fancy words for you about acting at this point. It's making uncharted was, is more simple. It's, it's much more like when you're a kid and you have a clubhouse in the backyard up in a tree and you look at your friends and go, okay, what are we playing? They want to play pirates pirates. Okay. Okay. The, the clubhouse is a pirate ship. Uh, that over there, the, the treasures over there, and okay, and go. Yeah, and yeah. you just you just really you know you you just jump into your own imagination and you play, and you know working on a motion capture stage is you know there's technical things that you you have to do and you learn over time, but it's really just you know adult children running around playing in the <laughs> sandbox in their imagination and. We had a great, great writer and creator, Amy Hennig, who just gave us incredible scripts and, uh, you know, encouraged improv. And uh, Gordon Hunt was our director. He was, you know, he's famously is the, the father of Helen Hunt. And he he came from the theater background and also background as a, a great voiceover director in Hanna-Barbera for oh, years. Wow. Yeah. And he won, he won Emmys for television as well. I mean, he was phenomenal. And he was very good about getting us to, you know, just be very specific with movements. And it, it was it, a lot of times performance capture gets uh, in trouble when the perform actors think they need to make big gestures, sweeping things, you know, so people can understand what they're doing. But if you just treat it like an on camera job, you stay nice and subtle and keep it very real. That's, that's when you get the nuances and the things in the performance that, help people playing a game or watching a movie or anything relate to it because an audience is very, very savvy at just knowing when something's over the top and doesn't feel right. So you just, you've got to keep it uh, very, very natural. And if you just get out of the way and let it happen, that, that that's a lot easier to do. Now, I remember watching one of the behind the scenes um, interviews of Tom Hanks when he did the polar express mm -hmm. and he, and he mentioned that, the cool thing about motion capture is that it allowed him to play every character, at least from the acting standpoint, not the voice, but the acting of almost every character in that movie, including the little girl, the other kids and whatnot. Have you ever thought about or have you had the opportunity to explore that range that motion capture gives you that you can act out oh, other yeah, no, characters? That. Oh, we do that. I've, okay. I've a number of a number of, you know, you know, bad guys and, and you know, some of the, you know, the soldiers that run around in uncharted I, I absolutely do that and, and i would i would expand that to anything in voiceover you know that that one of the things that i like about it more than on camera is the the creativity you know i've played men women creatures you know uh, i mean i was a viking beaver in a cartoon <laughs> which uh, one was this called breadwinners i was unski the viking beaver i mean crazy nice. things and you know, and, and you're not limited by your what you, your height, weight, and looks. You know, like you are. You know, and on camera, I'm I'm so often just cast as the dad now, or a police officer, a lawyer, or a doctor. I'm doctor, <laughs> cop, lawyer. 
yeah, yeah. You know, and it's or politician. You know, it's just those those specific roles. But you know, it's, it's you know the the you, it's, I mean, you can be anything in voiceover or in gaming or animation. You you know, so it's 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 a it's a bigger, deeper sandbox and uh, a lot more fun to play in sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely computer graphics had that to open the doors, it seems like, for movies, what they can do to a huge extent, especially motion capture making, obviously, things seem more real. Yeah. Um, I, I know there's there was a studio that apparently got the rights to make a movie with James Dean, and I think Bill might be John Wayne, and make them into characters again. As an actor, how does that feel? Like, do you think that CGI is moving in a dangerous direction in that area? Or do you think that stuff just wasn't work because of things like the Uncanny Valley effect, and we'll keep it, and actors will always maintain um you know be able to keep the movie roles that like that yeah i don't think that'll ever work um i don't think people will like that at all i I saw that james dean thing and i thought that was just just silly you know especially after if anybody's ever seen james franco's performance as james dean it was you know you know good luck letting anything artificially intelligent beat that performance no i don't i don't think there's there's you know, I mean, there's places for that, you know, where we can do things with CGI, you know, like like they did in Forrest Gump, you know, where they kind of substituted him. So he's there on, uh, you know, talking to President Kennedy. You know, they you can do some interesting things, you know, the, the different places where he's at the, you know, there's Forrest Gump and all the, the, the great moments in history. There's a, there's a place for CGI. But when you try to, you know, you know, we're turning Andy Serkis into Gollum, you know, although he does that pretty much on his own. Uh, I don't want to take, take that away from him. But, you know, what he does uh, as Caesar, you know, in the Planet of the Apes. Love those you know, movies. These, these things, you know, so that's, that, you know, having a, a, a person, there's, there's another person who's worked with him for a long time. He's a stunt actor, an actor named Terry Notary, who played the uh, gorilla, I believe, in the Planet of the Apes stuff. And he did it on these stilts, these kind of hand stilts. I don't even know what they're called. And just a phenomenal athlete and, and actor to be able to do that stuff. That's where CGI, because, you know, you, you, you know, that's where it works. I mean, the only time that I think a real gorilla did it right was, you know, every which way but loose with Clint Eastwood, you know, when Clyde, oh. when you actually bring it. But, you know, to, to have something to, to do it, do it well like that is important. But, you know, here's a, another good example. There is a great movie called Togo, Disney. That was uh, Willem Dafoe plays this famous uh, musher. And the, 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 they, his, it's about Togo, the dog that did the Alaskan uh, diphtheria outbreak. And it's just, it's a wonderful story. And this, this Willem Dafoe and this dog, and it was just so fantastic. And it's a real dog. And then they did Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. And they and they did a CGI dog. And it just, it, the, the connection wasn't there because you know it's a CGI dog. And whereas this other film, but much smaller film, I mean, I was sobbing uh, at that movie. And it, it, and it was because of the connection between the real dog and, 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 and the actor as opposed to you know, they were going for the same thing, the set, that same type of feeling in Call of the Wild, uh, but it wasn't there because it, it was a CGI dog. So I think there's a, it, it's a, it's a line that they have to tow very carefully uh, moving forward. Is, is it an, 
I think it's very amazing how the audience can always sense the artificiality of CGI. Even no matter how good you make it, it feels like the audience can always tell there's something not real about this thing. Right. But, and you know, the thing is, is like in like Lord of the Rings, you don't care. You know, yeah, because yeah. it's it's you don't care. But if you had a TV show and there are four actors on the screen and you know that one of them isn't real, it's not it's never going to be right. So if you if you're at a movie and you're watching all these actors work around a CGI James Dean, for example, you're going to go. I know that that's not really him. He's not really there. So I don't I guess that's what I'm saying. So CGI can replace a lot of things. But not another truly living creature. It can it can replace an orc, or or yeah. or it can replace a, a robot. You know, I got a buddy Alan Tudyk who was uh, K two S O in uh, Rogue One. You know, and he he's, does a great performance. You'll never see his face because he's K two S O the robot, and his performance is there. But you know, you can't you can't make a robot to do that and then dub it. It had to be done in a motion capture suit. So it has its place, uh, but it should never. It, here's a great way. It has its place, but it should never replace real actors when it comes to that. I agree with you 100%. I think the other thing that's very interesting, especially for since you're a voice actor, is that you can't duplicate the human voice either. You always, and once again, another aspect where humans can always pick out artificiality in something like a voice as well that you may not think that we can. True. That's very true. Now, when you're playing Nathan Drake, do you feel that kind of ownership of the character that, you know, this is my character I, you know, I made, or, or are you able to kind of step away from that character a little bit? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always going to be, since I was created and I think I've always will feel a little, not ownership of it, but, you know, I, you know, I, I always like to joke and say, Amy Hennig gave birth to Nathan Drake, but she let me help raise him. So, <laughs> you know, like there's been talks of an uncharted movie forever and, you know, video game adaptations to films rarely work. But I think, you know, they came up with a very interesting concept where it's a it's a younger Drake. Uh, like where was Nathan Drake in his 20s? So I think they're making this movie with Tom Holland as Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg, fellow New Englander, as uh, Sully, his companion and mentor and i think i think you know that that's an interesting take it's like okay you're not trying to copy what the game already did so well you're showing us another version of it so in that regard yeah go for it i think it's i think it's fantastic do you think tom holland will do a good nathan drake sure sure i mean i as long as they make their make it their own you know the the, the problem that i've seen with so many movie adaptations is they try to mimic the experience that is that the player had in a two-hour film that the player actually was part of and experienced for dozens and dozens of hours, maybe more. You know, playing Uncharted for 25 hours to get through it, and you are Nathan Drake, is a lot different than sitting there passively in a seat for two hours and watching Nathan Drake going, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. It doesn't sound like what I heard in my head. Yeah. Uh, it, no, he doesn't. You know, but and that's why, again, what they're doing is is smart because nobody's ever seen a, a, a Nathan Drake in his twenties. So you can kind of go, oh, okay, this is this is before. It's almost like they're going to make movies that are prequels 
to the movies we made that they call video games, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. No, it makes total sense. Total sense. Now, if Tom Holland, do you expect him to reach out to you and maybe in for pointers on Nathan Drake, how to play him? <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. I think he's got it. I think he'll be just fine. And, you know, and, he, and he's got to make it his own. I actually was at a convention and I saw him and I was going to go talk to him and he was busy and then I got dragged away. And the next thing I know, we, we didn't have, it didn't happen. But if I ever see him again, I'll go up and say hi to him. But, uh, you know, if he ever wanted pointers, I'm happy to give them to him. But, you know, again, this is going to be his version. And I think we should let him, you know, do his thing. He's, he's more than capable. Well, I mean, I, I would definitely think to myself, if they make an Uncharted movie, you should have to, you should be in that movie, right? I mean, it's, it's sort of like um, having Stan Lee when he was in the Marvel movies. Nolan North <laughs> should be in the Uncharted movie. You would think, right? Maybe. I, I've talked to some of the directors at times about it, but, you know, it's like I, I'm pretty, I, I'm busy. I got some stuff going on. And, you know, it's also, I don't ever want to like, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be the guy who kind of walks in and goes telegram for Mr. Drake and like winks at the camera and you're like, Oh, yeah, it's yeah. the guy. And then he's gone. It's, it's kind yeah, of, like yeah. a, it's kind of a sideshow carnival kind of thing. And it just, it's like, yeah, I don't think I need to do that. I don't know if that's something that's, you know, something I want to do. I think it, it's, it's, it would be, you know, if they ever wanted, you know, like an actual to be something in it. I think I always thought it would be, I've talked to a couple of the directors and, one had a, a pretty good part, and then another was toying with the idea that I play like uh, like a villain, or yeah. or or you know like or somebody who might uh, you know recur in all the if they do multiple movies like you know one of Sullivan's guys who gets him his guns before they go or gets him his passports you know or you know guy who owns a bar that they always go to and you know he's the bartender you know something like that you know where it's kind of a nod but it's not just those one-off things where people are like, oh yeah, there's the guy. And now back to the movie. Also, it could detract from the movie. People are like, you know, maybe you just want it to be seen as its, its own thing. So, you know, why put the guy who was in the game? So it, you know, it's the business. It's, it's, I'd never take anything personally. And, and you know what? And people say, where well, are you going to go see the movie? I'm like, absolutely. I think it'd be great fun. So, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny, You speaking of Tom Holland and the idea that, because he's been Spider-Man, you got to play Superman in the Lego DC Shazam movie. Yeah. What is it like being Superman? Well, also Superman in uh, Young Justice, Superman and yep. Superboy. It's awesome. I'm not going to lie. It is like, you know, I grew up there in New England and, you know, between Tom and Jerry and all the Looney Tunes stuff, because I, I liked old cartoons. I mean, I didn't miss Super Friends in the 70s, man. I didn't miss that on Saturday morning cartoons. They have, kids don't even realize that you know they have their own cartoon channels. We had like five channels. And Saturday yep. morning, that was, you know, you get your cereal, you'd sit down and have a big bowl of sugar and watch cartoons. And uh, yeah, I mean, Superman. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 so much fun to, to say that I've, I've been able to voice Superman. It's such an iconic character. Anytime you get to play something iconic like that, you you you, you really want to step up your game because there's so much history, and you, you never want to be put in a, some kind of a list as like the the worst Superman. So <laughs> it's it's one of those things I always I always try to make sure I, I put my best foot forward. 
and Young Justice is such a good series. I mean, their production values are huge, and they, I mean, the stories are fantastic. The actors, such as yourself, do a beautiful job of making the characters feel feel real. Yeah, thank and you. We have a great cast. Great cast. Now, am I? I saw. Did I see correctly. You play something like twenty different characters on Young Justice. I don't know about twenty. I, well, possibly. Yeah, because. Well, I know I'm Superboy and Superman and Zatara, Zatanna's father. And then every now and then, like, uh, they'll ask you to play, you know, a couple other characters here and there. So you might just be a guard. You could be. So I've probably done over probably by over 30 different characters for the show by now. But, oh, wow. you know, you just change your voice, change your register. Sometimes they can play with it in post if they need something different. But. You know, it, it, there's usually the, the main three, four characters you do and then, you know, fill in characters because it's just it's just it's economical that you, you know, to get the actor typically under union rules. You can do up to three characters before they have to pay you anymore. So you can usually <laughs> count on doing your main character or two and then, you know, and it could be literally the crowd saying he's up there. It's like, look over there. It's in the sky. Look, hey, yeah, yeah. cheering, that kind of stuff. It's just called like crowd walla. So, yeah. So what is the key to playing Superman? Like if you have to, because obviously when you play Superman, you got to get your head in, into that character. You got to find like, the essence of Superman. So to you, what is the essence of Superman? Or, I mean, and Superboy as well, but definitely let's focus on Superman. Superman's just direct, strong, and confident is, is the kind of what you think. I, I, I mean, I, there's nothing... Nothing. I don't like to get too heady about these things. It's Superman. He's just, it's kind of like when I would calmly, you know, uh, have to, you know, sit my kids down when they got in trouble. Like, now, do you know why you weren't supposed to do that to the dog? That would be <laughs> Superman. He's okay. very direct and he's always teaching and he's very confident. And his voice is very always, you know, and so he, you know, he's just very, and then Superboy was a clone of him. But, you know, he had kind of that teenage angst, so it just kind of got into more of a, you know, more like, you're not my dad, you're a clone, <laughs> you know? So, and then, then and he, but he's matured over time on the show, Superboy has. So, but, you know, it, it, he was basically the same, but he didn't have the wisdom um, and, and the confidence that comes with wisdom and time, you know? So, and of course he was, you know, the first season, he was a teenager, effect, essentially, so... It's been nice to see over the se different seasons how Superboy has matured in that way. So, yeah, I mean, but that's pretty much the, the essence of, of getting that character right, in now, my opinion. Now, as Superboy has matured, how have you adapted your voice to fit that? Or, or do you find yourself consciously thinking... How should he be growing in how he's presenting voice-wise? No, you know, we have our, our creator and writer uh, by greg weissman and, and and brandon vietti they they write you know they have they write great scripts and and they have great other writers on the staff that just you know it's it's not necessarily the vocal quality that you do but it's it's the it's the writing you know just the it's just the words they choose shows their maturity and their age a little bit more but you know again Superboy doesn't really age so it's really it's not the the sound or the tone of it, it maybe it's it may be more the tone of his voice not the sound um, gotcha. and it's and it's the it's the dialogue you know he's he's just saying more mature things and as he's as he's developed as a character 
Now, well, this question, I mean, you're, you can answer or not, uh, but I, I, I'm going to ask it anyway because it, it did make the news a little bit. I'm sure you heard about Dean Kane a little bit and his comments about Superman, or maybe you have not. I'm not 100% sure. But he made a comment about whether or not Superman can still or would still be allowed to say truth just in the American way <coughs> because of how today's audiences and movies are being handled. Do you think Superman and this culture it still fits into the culture we live nowadays? And do you think Dean Kane is right with that assertion about the character? You know what? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I feel kind of ignorant about this, but I don't know what Dean Cain said. I, you know, I would say that I, I think Superman. You know, can be viewed, Superman's beloved in countries all over the world, though. You know, so I see. I. I know he. You know, he may have come from Krypton and grown up in Kansas, but I think Superman is a is a is a global superhero. I mean, there are people in all over the world that that look to him as this, uh, you know, as a heroic figure. So I, I, I don't know if. It, are you saying has he has it been politicized somehow? Because that's um, just that's yeah, ugly. I, yeah. But but Dean Kane uh, stated I'm, 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 the words are not exactly right. But he um, made the news and he said uh, I think it was on Fox News. He said um, nowadays if he plays Superman, he would not be allowed to say truth just in the American way because of I because people no longer accept that kind of Superman and maybe no one would want to hear that version of him in today's climate. And it, it got a lot of, of, a lot of people shot back at him for that. And I was just curious where another Superman would stand on that same issue of that character. Oh gosh. You know what? I, I didn't, I'm not even aware of that. So I, I, I can't really comment on that. You know, I mean, I just, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're living in, in interesting times and changing times. And I think changes change can be uh, difficult but it's usually for the better. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, we, we're going through some, sometimes it, sometimes it feels like we're now going through some long overdue growing pains and, and it's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people, but, you know, ultimately I, I hope it, it makes us better, not only as a country, but as, as individual human beings, you know? So, but, but as far as that old thing, I, I don't know enough about it. I, I'm sorry. I don't know enough oh, about oh, it to, that's to totally know exactly what, what he was talking about. Oh, that's totally fine. I, I think it also goes into, I think, another conversation that seems to happen a lot with going on with DC and the movies and whatnot as well. The idea that does Superman need to be updated or for this time period or does Superman always just work? The Superman that existed you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 50s, 40s, whatever, that kind of idea of Superman, is that, let's say, universal and... You know, and, and lastly, like, do you feel like he, he needs to be tweaked to be more, I guess they almost make him more cynical when you look at the new movies that he's been in, or do you think he always can be the Christopher Reeves Superman that we all kind of connect? Well, you know what? I, I mean, when you say that we all kind of connect, it's like, I don't know who that, you know, that, that we includes. Yeah. I mean, I get, I, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, there was the, it was it the George Reeves that did it back in like the fifties and there was that version and that probably reflected that time. Christopher Reeve was the one I really was introduced to the most. And I read some comics and those, you know, usually it, listen, this was, this was amazing stuff from DC and it, it's, it all starts on the page. It's the, it, it, it was a comic book and it was, and those writers don't get near enough credit, you know, because movies and TV, you know, take the forefront so much, but it, it all goes back to the great comic book artists and writers that, that create this stuff that then gets made into a series and then gets made into a movie. 
I, I mean, I'm not, who am I to say what it should do? They're the experts, you know, and, and I think it's only natural that, you know, as somebody, a 75 year old comic book artist is going to portray Superman possibly differently than a 25 year old comic book artist, just because of the, the, their perspective on life and their experiences. Superman obviously has, you know, like I just the other day walked through the house and they were watching Superman versus Batman. And, you know, like I, I remember people talking about like, you know, Batman treats him like he's an alien. I'm like, yeah, well, he is an alien. And, <laughs> and, but the, the, it's, so it's like the mistrust. I'm like, wow, that's an interesting take. That's not the Christopher Reeve of, you know, of movies that I knew, you know, where because everybody loved Superman, trusted him. And nobody ever thought about that. So seeing, you know, uh, was it Henry Cavill, right? Is, yeah. Is, is, uh, you know, seeing that version, well, it's interesting to me. I, you know, that's the crazy thing. It's like, this is art. And I think people need to understand, or, or not understand, they know this. Remember that all art, all entertainment is subjective. There is no right or wrong, truly, um, in art. I can look at a painting and, and go, that is amazing. And you can go, I, I just see a spot. I don't get it. <laughs> and that's okay. That doesn't make you ignorant. It just, you know, it, it's just our taste. There's a number of things that, that I've, you know, I've seen, you know, there's, there's movies there's that I just, I don't get. And people are like, how do you not get that? That's amazing, amazing stuff. But no, I, I just, not for me, don't get it. That doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean somebody else is wrong. It's just, that's just my point of view. That's how I feel about it. So, so yeah. So, you know, um, I think they, look at, look at what Marvel's done with Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man was uh, my, some of my favorite comic books yep. and there are uh, my buddy, Yuri Lowenthal just did a phenomenal video game as Spider-Man. And then that, you know, and there's been all kinds of movies to uh, and Toby McGuire you know, Peter Parker. I mean, there's all different styles. And then they came into, uh, was it into the spider verse? Yeah. Oh my God. That's probably one of my favorite Spider-Man movies because it shows, it literally shows exactly what you and I are talking about. You know, John Mulaney is, is, is was spider hog or whatever he was. Spider oh, pig. Oh, oh, Peter uh, Porker. Yeah. Spider pig, Peter Porker, spider pig, you know, and, and all these different versions of how they all can live. And they all fight for the same things. And they all are amazing superheroes in their own right. There's no right or wrong. You know, there's no, you know, Spider-Man doesn't have to be um, male, female, black, white. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a hero. And it's something we can all and should all, you know, look up to. He, he's, he fights for justice and he tries to do his best. Uh, and, and, you know, and I think that's what makes him such a, what I, what made that movie so amazing? Loved it. Oh, oh and Spider Into the Spider Verse was a fantastic movie. I love that movie, and I think Tom Holland is, is doing a, fen a phenomenal job as Spider Man right. in the Marvel Verse. I mean, he sounds like Peter, like Peter Parker, at least the way he has in my head. Which has me. The, the, I guess one thing I'm also kind of asking as well is, fans seem to do seem to claim ownership of these characters, and as someone who has been Superman, do you ever feel the pressure of that ownership that your fans are claiming on that character? No, because I can't, I can't control people's opinion, you know, for, for every one person who might love what I do, there might be two who hate it, but you know, I, I can't, like I said, it's, it's all subjective. I just try to do 
my job the best I uh, the best I can. And if that works for people, yay! I get to do podcasts with you. You know, because <laughs> people like it. If it yep. doesn't, it's just it just is what it is. Obviously, you you know you want to be respected and liked in the roles you do. You don't want people to. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to do something with people like, oh, that was awful. You know, I feel bad because I, I, I almost feel like I let them down. But I'm, I can only do what I know to do. I'm, I, that's what I'm responsible for is delivering the best performance I can, yeah, you know, along with the other actors and the directors and the producers and what their vision is. You do that and you put it out to the public and you cross your fingers. Now, yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. And I, I, just, I just have a few more questions for you, if, if you don't mind. Because I, I, I want to point out, you've also played a voice in one of my wife's fi- favorite uh, cartoons, Lion Guard, which you played a several <laughs> no roles way. in Lion Guard. Yeah, she's yeah. Um, I, actually, she, she, got, she, loved, she loves Lion King, so she also enjoyed Lion Guard. I mean, it, it's a younger audience, but it's, it's a very, it's such, and I did sit through the episodes with her. And there's something um, about it, 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 I think as an adult, you can appreciate a, a lot as well. And it's such a cute show. And you played, um, am I pronouncing it, Fahari? Fahari? But yeah, it was, it was uh, Fahari and, and Tomka, right, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, they, uh, yeah, we had so much fun. I mean, they they called me in to do that, and, and it was like, like, would you like to do some Lion Guard? It's a show. I'm like, I know the show. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, it, it, is so, it is a smart show. Yeah, it's 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 it's... It's one of those shows, I remember there were certain um, animated shows that I really could, I liked when my kids were younger that they could watch and enjoy and I could watch and enjoy for a different reason. Like the, the shows worked on two levels. Yep. And, you know, and I think Lion Guard was one of those. It's funny, I, I rarely ever get questions about it because I, you know, I was only in limited episodes, but yeah, I, I, I you know, they just did such a great job and it was just, it was just so much fun to work on. Fun characters too. And, and I think it's interesting because, especially on social media, that even, because once again, there's a Lion Guard obviously, because now, you know, Twitter and Facebook, everything else. And how many adults are clamoring for a fourth season of Lion Guard? And I want to, I was asking you, like, do you think that's ever going to happen? Do you think you'll be a part of it if it does? Hey, if they do it, I'm in. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's like, absolutely. I have no idea. You know, I mean, it, it's... <laughs> I mean, I would love to, I just, just, I have no, no clue, no clue at all. Um, especially since the, the shutdown, you know, yeah. so much has, as as has just gone, you know, gone chaotic because, you know, we don't know who's, you know, who's, you know, when, when we're going back into studios, I've been doing some work from home during this time, but I remember, I remember actually, I think Lion Guard was one of my last just at the end of the year before uh, the shutdown came earlier this year so interesting yeah i i forgot forgot about that yeah, i mean and, and, and since you've had such a, a a long distinguished career can like when you're making something like, like lion guard or young justice can you tell when you're doing something that it's going to be successful like it, does it just does it have a different feel to it when you're on something that you that is going to have legs or you never know if this is going to be something that works doesn't work you know what i mm, I don't know. No, I, the short answer is no. You, you don't know. You go in. Uh, I tell people, you know, uh, we never made Uncharted one. We made Uncharted Drake's Fortune, and we had no idea they were they were going to if if or when they were ever going to do a second one. But it it did pretty well, and then they 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 wanted the second one, and then that one went crazy, 
So when that one went nuts, you knew there was a third, and then there was even talk that there'd be a fourth. But no, you you know you don't know what what what's going to uh, uh, resonate with an audience ever. Again, it goes back to just do your job the best of your ability as an as an actor or as a as the director, whatever. You just do that, and and if everybody does their part, then like I said again, you ship it and pray that people like it. Now, now, but once again, since you've done also such a diverse amount of roles, because like you did Uncharted, but like you're also doing like The Lion Guard and Young Justice, do you purposely look for roles as well that fix, fits a range of audience? Like, do you think, you know, I've done a couple of more like adult roles. I want to do some shows that maybe my younger kids can watch or things of that nature. Or No, no you know what? I just, you know, my, my agents just, you know, there's, there's people who just will make offers. Hey, would you like to come do this? this is the role we're thinking? I don't really have a an, an edict I put out going, I'm looking for this type of role. You know, it's like, it's interesting. It's like, it's like waking up in a hotel and going down to the buffet and you have no idea what's going to be served that day. So you really don't know what you're going to have yeah. until you get there. And my agents have been, and, and the industry has been very, very kind to me by putting out a, a, a very good selection of things on that, that buffet. And, 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 and to keep that to keep the analogy going, I, I'm <laughs> staying well fed for a number of years. <laughs> Indeed. Now, with, with Fahari, I'm, I'm horrible with names. I'm sorry. Tomko is the uh, crocodile, I believe. Now, Fahari is the is the male uh, cheetah, correct? Right. Well, and and Tomka is the crocodile. I think I've done that more. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> Now, when, when, when you're doing those roles, do did, did you get specific direction about what they want the character to be like or sound like? Or do you just kind of get a, like, do you just kind of like hear in your head and then just are you able to just uh, produce it? You, you know what? Usually you go in the room, they tell you about the character, and then you find the, the voice with them. Like, what do you, you want to hear? What do you want to, what, what should he sound like? What, and you just kind of play with it until you find something that, that works. So, so, yeah, you know, and I think specifically with some characters, you know, uh, we want this one to, especially when they're in pairs, you know, they have to play off each other. So, you know, it's it's certainly, uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun to find that in the room it, it, with the producers and the director. That's that's one of my favorite parts of, of doing it. Now, just a, a couple of last questions. Is there a character that you wish you could return to? And is there a character that you have not played and you wish you could? No character that I, I wish I could play. I, I don't really covet other roles. There's, there's, you know, and, and I guess I would be, I think I always enjoyed playing the Penguin in the Arkham series. That's always fun. I'm always up for another adventure with Nathan Drake if, if Sony ever wanted to do that. That certainly was, was a great amount of fun. And I, I get a, from a lot of fans, I hear that Desmond Miles from Assassin's Creed, they, they really wish he had uh, lived beyond the third installment of Assassin's Creed. That's always fun. I, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't know if you're ever done with a character. So there's just been, it's just, I've been really, really fortunate. I'm very grateful for the, 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 the I've been, a, I've lived a charmed career so far. And I think I'd revisit them all. I could go all night. <laughs> Well, well, I must admit, when I was looking at your career history, I was thinking of like what I wanted to talk to you about. You had such a long list. Like I, there was um, Deadpool from the the Hulk versus Wolverine movie. You did so many things I wanted to mention about. 
but I do appreciate you spending your your time with me. You you are phenomenal to talk to, and I really wish I could, had time to hit all your career highlights because you had so many and ones I hadn't I didn't know about. Well, I'm I'm still you know I'm not done yet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you know trying to add to that list and keep having fun and and I hope you know people keep enjoying these things because that's it's what it's all about you know whether you're a gamer playing a game it's it's not about me it's about that experience you have playing that game it's not about my performance in any kind of tv show or movie or anything it's it's whether you enjoy it or not so you know i think that's you know you just i again like i said it's it's not up to me whether you like it or not you know it's but it is my hope every time i i step in front of a mic or in front of a camera that, you know, people just enjoy this crazy job I've chosen to do for my life. Well, we're lucky to have you in. And like I said, you've done a, a lot of roles that um, are just phenomenal. Like I said, young, from the Young Justice to Lion Guard and everything else. And I just want to thank you so much for taking your time to, to talk with us. Thanks for having me. back we are back back you know he's also doing a voice in star trek lower decks have you watched that yet i have not i, I need to i need to i i've i've is, is it, i didn't even know it was out is it out yet yeah it's on the cbs app okay i'll have to watch it because it looks it looks hilarious I, I think it's hilarious that they're doing a, basically star trek rick and morty <laughs> well it's from a episode is it yeah there's well i shouldn't say it's from an episode it's there's an episode titled The Lower Decks from Star Trek Next Generation. And that's oh. where they got the name of the animated show. That's cool. Yeah, I, 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 I've, fallen, up, I've sure. re-fallen in love with Star Trek. Um, this last like pandemic, I've watched so much Star Trek. Like I've watched all of uh, all of Discovery and all of other stuff. And it's just like um, Picard and, and watched some Voyager and like, I forgot how much I enjoyed just Star Trek in general. I really like Discovery. I can't wait for more to come out. And the new uh, the uh, Stranger Worlds shows coming out with Pike and, and Spock. I'm super excited for that, too. Oh, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. So Lower Decks, excuse me, is the 167th episode of the American Science Fiction Television Series. I'm reading this off the internet, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. It is the 15th episode of the seventh season. Set in the 24th century. I don't know why everybody knows where Star Trek is set. It's set in the 24th <laughs> century. You didn't know. Actually, I don't think I ever realized what century it was set in. I never cared. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not important. Yeah, the series follows the adventures of Starfleet crew. Of the, oh, duh. But um, yeah, so that's how they. That's where they got their name from. Was from that episode. That's cool. That's cool. It, I can't. It doesn't say who he's who he's voicing on here. It just says that he's on it. So I'm curious who that is. You know, he has he has voiced um, he has voiced Superman so, you know so many times. We've had two uh, two actors on the show so far that have voiced Superman in a lot of things because he right. voiced he voiced Superman in all the Lego movies, all the Lego stuff, and um, several different cartoons as well, which is cool because you know being a big Superman fan that makes me happy. <laughs> 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 all right, I think that's a show. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I don't know why the obligatory pause there for you guys just to gather my thoughts together to let you know if you go to spoilerverse.com, you'll hear a ton more interviews and just outright fun and all of our back issues for Spoiler Country, just like what you heard today. And there's a ton more that you can check out there. 
there is, and uh, you know, while you're there, you can all that ton more stuff is going to be stuff like articles, reviews, previews, thought pieces, a bunch of fun stuff, and uh, you should check all those out. And also, while you're there, click on the store link and uh, go buy a t-shirt or a hoodie or a face mask or something cool. Fly as hell. hell. Ah, you took it again. Damn it. And, you know, help support the show. We get a dollar or two to help keep the lights on here and uh, help pay for all the, all the lovely things that come with the cost of having a podcast on the network. There you go. Well, Johnny. Yeah, what's that? It's only one less. One less? One, one last. <laughs> one less thing. One last thing to talk about. <laughs> In oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. That's Cthulhu. Compels you to do. I was waiting for you to say what was that. Like, I know. You know I, what I mean? And then you said nothing, and I'm sitting there waiting and waiting. Anyways, go. I know. Open the mind and read more. <laughs> I, kept, I was thinking to myself, is he waiting for me? He's waiting for me. I should say, I should say it. Then you <laughs> yeah. Because I was waiting for you to go, what's that? <laughs> Dork, right? Stop. Stop.